Oh, guys, and technology doesn't always go together. Good morning. If you would like to open your Bibles, we're going to look at a passage from 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 24. It was a very dark day in Israel's history. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24. There's two questions I wanted you to consider this morning. Are you a leper? And are you a good leper? All right, so as we look at this passage, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Now, of course, this was when they had the dividing kingdoms after King Solomon. You had the northern kingdom of Israel with the capital city of Samaria and the southern uh, kingdom of Judah with the capital city of Jerusalem. And so this is Samaria, the, the king of Syria has gathered his sources, his forces and has completely encircled the town. Uh, and the people are in his, he's doing a very good job of it because verse 25 says, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged into a donkey's head, was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part, fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. So the people were starving to death. If they had money... If you had, in my calculations, if you had $700, you could buy a donkey's head. Uh, now, understand, this was, you know, this was a donkey that had starved to death itself. Uh, the tongue's probably not considered that. That was another cut of meat, that kind of deal. But that you could buy a donkey's head, and, and I've worked with donkeys a lot. And I, it's not like they have a brain or anything in there. And it, it's, it's like, you know, this skull with this skin just stretched as tight over it as you could but you could have some donkey head soup or something, something nutritious for $700. Uh, however, if you maybe only had $44, you could get a, 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 a cup of dove's dung. Now, that could have actually been dove's dung, or they say maybe it had to do with some seed pods, like, you know, you shell your peas and you have those, those shells left over. Uh, in other words, basically, if you had a little money, you could buy something, uh, it, even though how repulsive it may be or how un unnourishing it was, you could buy a little something to eat, but most people did not have money and were literally starving to death. <clears throat> Verse 26, And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. <clears throat> and he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? Now, the king's reply was that he was blaming God. He said, you know, the only thing that was left in, 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 the, uh, uh, in the barn was the floor, all right? If, you know, that was it. Uh, the only thing that the, was left was the wine press. There were no grapes. There was no juice. There was no wine. There was just a, an empty wine press there. And, of course, his point is to, you know, blame God. Now, understand this was an ungodly king. He was disobedient to God, um, and uh, so he wanted God's protection. He wanted God's blessings, but he did not want God. Now, does that sound familiar in this day? Uh, a couple of years ago in Uvalde, Texas, when they had the 19 uh, students, I think, 9 to 11 years of age, and two teachers were killed there, I heard on national news someone say, well, where was God? 
Well, let's, let's be honest. Uh, is our nation today, we really just tell God we don't, you know, as a nation, not here, but as a nation, we claim, we tell God, we don't need you in our school. We don't want you in our schools. And that's his, this situation. Um, it, let's continue just a second. It gets worse, all right? Uh, verse 28, And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said to her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. The, the unfathomable conditions uh, existing there with the starvation and just mental illness probably to some degree uh, with this going on. Uh, cannibalism, you know, her child. You know, what is the greatest gift God would give them back that time, in that day and, and time? Kind of What's the greatest gift? Hey, uh, it was a son. You know, they needed a son, someone to carry on and take care of them in their old age and such with it. Uh, and but here, you know, th this this condition is what's going on. Second Kings. Now move over to Second Kings chapter seven. All right, uh, verses to start with verse three. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, "Why sit we here until we die? If we say we'll enter into the city, then the famine's in the city; we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come." Let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Okay, they were lepers, but they weren't, weren't dumb. They knew there was nothing in the city for them. The only thing that, that they would get is something extra that people had, and no one had anything extra. There was no reason for them at all to go into the city. They would die. So they decided, well, we're just going to go over to the Syrians. Uh, maybe, you know, they, they'll see us and have pity on us, mercy on us because we're lepers, or maybe they'll be afraid of us because we're lepers and just let us go, you know, pass on through. Maybe we can pass on through and go out to the countryside and see if we can find something to eat. Uh, uh, maybe if nothing else, they kill us, but maybe they'd be quick, you know, rather than just starving to death. Uh, And, if, uh, and so, verse 5, And that the, as they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they came into the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord, our Lord, our Lord God Almighty, had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Now, there the Syrian soldiers were. They were just comfortable, resting, and God created a noise. Now, I, I, can you imagine that noise? I mean, that surely they probably felt the ground was shaking or something. They, they heard horses, uh, uh, you know, uh, they heard uh, uh, a creaking of, of chariots. Uh, they even heard the marching of soldiers, and they jumped up in the middle of the darkness, tried to gather a few things together and ran off. But if you continue reading later on, you'll find that the further they went, the more they dropped and finally left everything and fled completely because of this noise. God had interceded. Uh, and so verse 8, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, 
They went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it, came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Heaven on earth for those lepers. You know, they had been a long time since they had it, uh, probably never had anything quite like that, the silver, the gold and such. But I mean, and, and, you know, this was their chance. No one was there. They started grabbing stuff up and, and going and hiding it and such uh, with it. Uh, but verse 9, okay, is the verse that we want to focus on today. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. This day is a day of good tidings. You see, even after the Syrians had fled, okay, there was, and even after there was abundant, I mean, God provided more than what they needed. He provided everything, food, uh, clothes, Gold, silver, silver, all kinds of riches and such that he provided. Maybe, I don't know, 200 yards away from the walls and such. Everything that they needed for life was right there. God had provided it, uh, you know, uh, much more th th than, than what they needed. God had provided it. Still, the people were behind the walls, okay? Because, you see, they hadn't heard the noise. And no one had come to tell them. What could have been better news than that? You know, for someone to come tell them, you're not going to starve to death. Everything that you want is right there. You know, what could be better than that? Well, let's, let's skip forward about 800 years, okay? Jesus Christ, God himself, outside the walls of Jerusalem, died on a cross for your sins and my sins. The sin of all mankind was resurrected on the third day. On the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 souls were saved because God provided everything needed for them for, and, for this, and for us to have life, eternal life. A price we couldn't pay, uh, a gift we could not uh, earn, and certainly grace that we do not deserve. Boy, that's good news. Now, though, skip another 2,000 years ahead to probably today, okay, around the world this morning, there are billions of men, women, and children, and um, boys and girls, and, and they're still behind the walls because no one's come to tell them about Jesus Christ. They're like us, giving all the, you know, other people here in this country, giving all they have, seeking life, uh, seeking truth, trying to find that void in their life that only Jesus Christ can feel. Sacrificing their children hey, to, to false gods, to self, to materialism, to drugs, human, humanism. We've seen articles, mothers killing their children, fathers killing their families, children killing children. You hear and see it uh, on the news every day. This morning, we live in a time just as dark as those days in Samaria. Satan is an all-out attack against this world. Like Israel and Judah in, in, in Isaiah chapter 5, wrongs called right, right's called wrong, light's called dark, dark's called light. You know, in a world that there is very little truth, 
immorality, abortions, wars, attacks against the church, against God, and against his word. So, you know, what are we to do? Well, remember, to be a leper, to be a good leper, is to say, hey, today is a day of good tidings. You see, the world is seeking for answers, and you have the answer. You have the truth. You have what they need. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to be a good leper and to share that truth. The last thing Jesus said before returning to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the uh, Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses unto, uh, to the, to, unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. Who's he talking to? Well, he was talking to the disciples. He was talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. Okay. And he says, you shall be my witnesses. He didn't say, if you want to. He didn't say, you might. He didn't say, you may. He didn't say, you could. He says, you shall be my witnesses. You know. And, and it says it's by your, it's by God's power. You know. Uh, do you sometimes think, well, you know, if God's depending on me to do that, I hope there's a, he has a plan B or something. I, I don't know that I can do that, you know. We, think, we don't feel capable. But, but look back, you know, in that, in, that, in that city, all right, where everyone was starving to death, who were the least likely people that could help? The lepers. I mean, they didn't have anybody. They were unclean, unclean, you know. What chance did they have to help? But that's the one that God has chosen. That's the one that God's use, uh, using them. It's not because of our ability that he chooses us. It's our availability because, you know, we'll do uh, and go. But it, it's he is the one that, that does it. And this morning, I want to tell you that, um, you know, you have the opportunity this morning to go to countries that you're never going to get to go to and share Jesus Christ in languages that you're never going to be able to speak. And that's, that's what this ministry allows us to do. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I send it. God's promise that his word does not return void. Now, does that mean that everybody who gets one is saved? <laughs> I wish it did. But no, you know, but they have a choice, okay? You, you've been the watchman on the wall. You've shared the truth, and they have the truth, and they have a choice. At least they know and have that, that opportunity, that choice. But many do accept Jesus Christ as Savior. James Jewell uh, lived in Hammersville, Ohio, 82-year-old World War II veteran. Now, he went outside his house one day, and he looked back at his, at his house, and up on his porch, he saw something orange, all right? So he got a ladder, ladder, he's 82 years of age, got a ladder, and he climbed up on the roof of his porch, and this is what he found. It's a little youth Gideon Place Testament. Now, the, the orange ones are those that we place um, when we're not allowed to go into school. We have the constitutional right to stand on public uh, sidewalk and to give out testaments to students as they come to school in the morning or go home in the evening, kind of deal with it. And so that day or maybe a couple of days before, we don't know how long it had been there, 
but uh, a student had received that little testament because of a church such as, you, uh, as this one and a uh, uh, Christian such as yourself. Uh, they had donated the money that provided that little testament. And that child on the way home evidently decided to say, well, I, I just wonder how far I can throw this, you know, and just sailed it and it landed up on the roof of his porch. Now, if it had been me when I got up there and I'd looked at that and I'd say, well, who, who, who in the world would have done that, you know? But, you know, what, what he said, he said, this must be from God. And so he took it down and he began to read it. Uh, and he said he worked to read it. Let me explain that to you. This is not for 82-year-old eyes. All right, this, yeah. But he worked to read it and accepted just a decision page in the back. God loves you. All are sinners. God's remedy for your sin. Your response. You can sign a player and accept Jesus Christ as Savior, kind of deal. And he accepted Christ as Savior. Two months later, God called him home. Had ended up having cancer, terminal cancer, and two months later, God called him home. His his uh, uh, when Scripture talks about going to the uttermost, you know, it's uh, and and I like that word uttermost, you know. But where where is the uttermost? You know, we we may say, well, it's darkest Africa. Well, I've been to darkest Africa, and uh, they may look at uh, uh, a map in the uttermost. But Gina, Louisiana, or something like that. You know, I don't know. Where is the uttermost? What well, his uttermost was the roof of his house, the roof of his porch, all right? Uh, Buck Buckaloo from Selma, Alabama. Uh, he was a truck driver for Walmart. I told him he and my wife shared a similar occupation. He hauled it to storage. She hauled it to the house. Told him one time, you've got to get a bigger truck, you know? Uh, but anyway, he had a wife and daughter in Selma, Alabama. They attended the church, maybe just like this one, Okay. And more than anything in the world, her daughter wanted her, her, her dad to, to come to church, to know Jesus. Okay, So she received a testament like this. Now, it was a red one. The red ones are the ones that we give out inside the school. It's just a kind of a kind of key, helps us keep up with them some. And so when she got home that afternoon, she wrote the entire plan of salvation in the front inside cover of that testament and then wrote a nice little letter in the back of it that ended, Dear Daddy, nobody loves you like Jesus, not even me. And so she took that testament, and the next morning before he left, she snuck it into his shaving kit. That evening, he pulled into the Circle Inn Airport Motel in Dallas, Texas, got out of his rig, had a six-pack under one arm, shaving kit under the other arm, you know, and he went into the restroom, washed off a little road grime and such, and there was that testament. He said he didn't read, he didn't drink that six-pack that night, but he sat down and he looked at all those testaments, and the Holy Spirit began to talk to him and convict him, and like a long story short, he came to accept Jesus Christ as Savior goes to church with his wife and daughter. I've met him, and, and, and he's, a, he's a man of God kind of deal with him. What was his uttermost? Well, it was his shaving kit, all right? Luis Alvaretti of Porto Alegre, Brazil. Now, the Gideons were there in Porto Alegre, Brazil, and they would make it a, a testament distribution at a, a college there. And so, at the, of course, in those countries, all colleges, colleges and schools are walled and gated and such, and they had a certain gate that they would go in at and the buses would pull up, and the students would get off and go through the gate. And right inside the gate, the Gideons had tables, and they had, because of support of a Christian like yourself and a church such as this one, uh, they had testaments there to give out. And so everything was going fine that morning. Students were getting off the bus, going through, taking a testament. And then this young man got off that bus about mid-morning, and he walked through there, and he heard the word free. 
And uh, so he said, you know, didn't, didn't really know what it was, but he heard the word free. So he took one, and he started walking on in. He looked down and saw what it was. And he got mad that someone would give him a copy of God's word, turned around and pretty well told him off, and he took that testament and threw it up on top of a building. Now, that, I don't people like to throw them. I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, they sell well, I reckon. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, threw it up on top of the building. Now, Luis Alvarez was up on top of that building patching a hole in the roof, and it hit him in the head. Uh, he didn't have a testament. He really didn't know what it was. He didn't know where it came from. And he climbed all the way down his ladder, and he's looking around to find out, you know, what is this? Where did this come from? And so the Gideons, uh, he, he was asking, they explained it to him. And not, they didn't just tell him what it was. Uh, they, they told him about Jesus Christ. And he didn't leave there that day with just a testament. He left there with a testament and a Lord say, and Jesus Christ is Savior, okay, uh, with it. And so you could say, uh, again, that, that was uh, on the roof of that building was the uttermost there. Giles Zapata uh, was an engineering student in Peru, uh, walking across campus because of a Christian such as yourself and a church such as this one. Uh, the Gideons were there that day, and they were distributing testaments, and he took one took it back with his, uh, to his home with him and began to read it. And again, God's Holy Spirit began to convict him and draw him and such. And he accepted Christ as Savior, graduated, was hired by an, a, uh, petroleum, as a petroleum engineer by a company and moved to a, a village there in uh, uh, Peru that was kind of well-known. It was just a little small village, but it was well-known, the area around there, for witchcraft. And so uh, he, but very boldly, he, he, he got, had his hut, and he put a big sign out there that said, uh, mining engineer gives free Bible lessons. Okay. And so he said days went by and weeks went by and months went by, but nobody came by for Bible lessons with it. And so uh, he said one afternoon in the middle of a rainstorm, he was at the, op the door, had the, the hut of his door open trying to bail water out. It was raining horrible and trying to bail water out. And he said this ugly brown dog come running up there and darted into, in, into his hut. Yeah, the rain. And so he went to shush the dog out. And the dog run by there and picked up his testament in his mouth and ran out. He tried to run it down. Couldn't catch it. I mean, there's no way. He just, you know, went back to his hut in the rain. Lord, you know, that was... That's the only word God I had, you know, why kind of deal. Well, he said about two weeks later, there was a knock at the door of his hut, and he kind of looked, you know, could see out through it, and he knew who this guy was. Uh, he, well, he knew this. He knew he was the, this guy was the, the kind of the village witch doctor kind of thing with it. And so he opened the door, but in, in his hand, that guy had his little testament, and so the guy said, look, excuse me, I saw your sign here. Uh, you know, he said, two weeks ago it was raining, and all of a sudden this ugly brown dog ran into my hut, and, and I went to run him out, and he had something in his mouth, and he dropped this, and, and he ran off. And, and, I've, it's, it's, and I've been reading it. And he said, there's, there's some things in there I understand, and there's some things in there that I don't understand. Could you, could you kind of help me understand this? So that day, uh, Guy Zapata, took that little testament and led Leoncio Guerrero, okay, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Leoncio Guerrero went home, and he led his entire family to the Lord. Now, later, just kind of a side note here, uh, Gal married Leoncio's niece. And the last time I've heard of him is that they, he was a pastor. Uh, he, she was a pastor's wife uh, in Han, Peru there. 
So <laughs> Uttermost was on a college campus. Uttermost was in a, uh, on a, a little hut in a, in a rainstorm kind of deal. Sandy Boyd from Garland, Texas. Now, <laughs> Sandy Boyd's grandmother was a witch. Her mother was a witch. And when she became, got old enough as a child, they started indoctrinating her to be a witch. Her father was demon-possessed, you uh, did kind of thing. She was sexually abused, drugs. You cannot fathom the life that this young lady went through. Okay, uh, Finally ran away from home, uh, <clears throat> got married, had a, had a daughter. The, the marriage, of course, didn't last. She continued on with drugs. She, she continued to have to, to run away because her father kept, kept find, finding out where she was at. And so she ended up in another state. And he said, you know, of course, she was still on drugs. They had all kind of problems going on. But one, you know, one night she said this demon just basically came into the bedroom, you know, just crazy stuff going on with it. And he said, now it's time for your daughter to be indoctrinated as, as a witch. And that was more than Sandy could stand. That little girl was what she had. And that was all that she had. And it was important that she couldn't think about her daughter having to go through what she had went through in her life. And so the state that she did, she had full custody of the daughter. The, the husband had, you know, I wasn't interested in the daughter at all. She had full custody. And in the state that she lived in, uh, by law, if something were to happen to Sandy, then that daughter would have been able to put into a state adoption program kind of thing with it and, uh, and may have the chance to, you know, grow up in a normal home, whatever a normal home was because Sandy didn't know, all right? But maybe an opportunity to grow up in a normal home. And so the next day, she took Sandy to daycare, dropped her off. She drove, uh, I mean, she took the uh, grand, uh, daughter to daycare and dropped her off. And then uh, Sandy uh, drove out into the country, uh, found a little dirt road there, and got a little ways off the road and pulled off, off the road in, in, under a tree. And she leaned those seats back in the car. Uh, she was, had a racer. She was going to uh, slit her wrist, end her life kind of thing with it because she said that then maybe my daughter have a chance. So she, she leaned that chair back. And, you know, today you, you got bucket seats. You got that little console in the center, and there's a crack there. You know, stuff falls down in. You can't hardly get it out of there. But anyway, so she leaned that seat back, and she just kind of dropped her hands down. And her right hand there kind of reached out, and it just landed on something. And what she pulled out was a little green testament. Now, she had had the car for six months, and she had bought it from a drug dealer. So we don't know, you know, how, uh, how she, uh, you know, how it got there in any shape, form, or fashion. Otherwise, we know that God put it there, okay? But, but anyway, uh, so she opened it up. And uh, began to read a little bit. She looked up into this back section here, and it, it said, God loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All of us are sin, you know, uh, all are sinners. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's remedy for sin, and that's Jesus Christ. And, of course, your response and, and such, and a, a, a prayer that she could pray and such. And, you know, there was a peace that came over as she was reading those. And she, she, did not, she didn't know and didn't understand, but she felt that she needed to accept Christ as Savior. And she signed that little testament. 
And her, you know, her story is amazing. I mean, God worked with her for a couple of years kind of deal, you know. But today, Sandy uh, is, uh, Boyd is married to a pastor in Garland, Texas. And that daughter who was supposed to become a, a witch, indoctrinated to become a witch, leads worship and, and praise there at that church with it. So, and, and her uttermost, she'll tell you, her uttermost were the gates of hell. Because you see, that's exactly where she was in that car, fixing to end her life. And God reached out to her. You may have already heard some of these testaments, uh, uh, testimonies. Uh, but I've chose these ones. Uh, some of them are kind of little older testimonies. But I've chose these ones because they have a common thread. Gideon's did not distribute those testaments. Is Craig here? Right up. Thank you. I'm sorry. Okay. I was, I, let me ask you a couple questions. I want to be sure that Gideon's do the work over here kind of like we do over in Vernon Parish. You know, be sure. Can I do that? All right. Um, uh, we don't throw testaments on the top of buildings, do we? Okay. Right, just be sure. We don't train ugly or brown or any other colored dog to, to deliver testaments, right? Okay. All right. We don't hide them in used cars. Okay. All right. Put them in shaving kits. No, okay. Uh, chunk them in rivers. And I forgot to tell you about... Uh, Another Gideon. He found his in the Mississippi River, but and so that was the reason I asked that question. You see, we we don't do that, but God does to reach people. It's not what we do; it's what God does around the world to reach people. The Gideon ministry is very simple. It's the people of the church like yourself, who provide the gospel of the church, church so it can be placed out the wall, outside the walls of the church where people like many of these would never have entered the doors of the church will come across it and by the power of God's word and by the conviction of God's Holy Spirit accept Jesus Christ uh, as, as Lord and Savior. Because of churches such as Gina First Baptist here, Christians such as yourself, we currently give away one million copies uh, every 6.8 days. A million copies every 6.8 days. Now, before COVID, it was, hey, didn't take eight days, six days. It was much, uh, much better. But now, in December of 19, uh, I'm sorry, December of 2022, which would be a little over a year ago, we distributed the two and one half billionth copy. Now, that's kind of just numbers, but when we think about this, if you go online, and I've done it a couple of times, and as best I can determine, since the printing press was invented, they've only printed, they've printed only, they've printed seven to eight billion copies of God's Word, all right? Two and a half billion of them, okay, were given away around the world because of your support and because of what God does with it. And that's what this ministry is about. Uh, 
Gideon's International is a cost-effective ministry. If you divide all the different Bibles and Testaments we distribute worldwide and such, uh, it comes down to a dollar and sixty-eight cents. Uh, could be either whole, whole Bibles like this one, a lot of them are the little testaments and such like this. Some of them are bilingual. There's one or two that's a trilingual testament in some countries. It come you divide it out, it comes down to a dollar and uh, sixty-eight uh, cents a copy, uh, freight prepaid around the world. And every penny that you go to give the Gideons goes to purchase and ship scriptures. Uh, Gideons, wherever we go, whatever we do, we pay our own way, kind of deal with it. Uh, and the few full-time employees we have are paid by our dues. The miracle of this ministry is that God does so much through so little. All glory and praise to him. Thirteen years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to go on a 10-day mission trip to Mozambique. Uh, we distributed 90,000 scriptures there in 10 days because you provided them, okay? Churches such as this, Christians provided them. Uh, and uh, we worked, I worked with the Gideons there in the capital city of Maputo. That Maputo province has about 2 million people just in that, this huge city, about 2 million people. And we went to huge schools and, and, and universities, and, and you'd stack those... Uh, uh, boxes of testaments up, uh, open them up, get them ready to go, and you'd stack them up about chest high, you know, 100, 100 uh, testaments in each, each box, and you're about, about chest high. And as soon as though they were turned loose and the bell rang, and kind of deal, and those students came in, you were just swarmed. I mean, all you could see was brown hands, just a completely surrounded and swarmed. And you could empty a box in three minutes, and just as fast as we could, uh, we, we could distribute them. You know, they wanted God's word. People want God's word. You'd give it to someone, and they maybe didn't know what it was, but when they look at it and see what it is, it's just kind of like the face brightens up. It just, uh, you know, you, this was something they were wanting. That's something they were looking for. And I had I'd been to Japan. I didn't see it in Japan. I've heard about it, okay? I, I'd, I'd been to Japan. I hadn't, didn't see it in Japan. I've been to Argentina. Didn't see it in Argentina. But I did see it in Mozambique day in and day out. We would uh, had a little flatbed truck, uh, uh, Nissan truck kind of deal. And uh, uh, we, they would load that back that thing down with testaments, and that's where I rode, sitting on the testament back there in the back and, you know, facing the traffic behind us uh, on that truck, and we would go to these schools. And we would go through there, and I mean, just you'd empty up every box. And then we'd go through our pockets and see, well, did we have some maybe we stuck in our pocket, or maybe there was some on the dash. But we would run out, and then you would have to leave. And as I was sitting there on the back of that truck looking, those kids, children, Boys and girls were running after the truck. I, I didn't get one. I, I want a testament you know, in their language. I, I didn't really understand their language, but the interpreter, the guy could tell me, you know. And, and so, and you would be amazed how far they ran. I kept thinking, you could get us. I, I mean, you know, but they kept following, wanting that copy of God's Word. The need for God's Word. Uh, and and we, we were going back to fill that bus up, I mean, that, that truck up again, but we weren't going back to that school because you didn't have time. There was other schools to go to. 90,000 scriptures in Maputo, and it just scratched the surface. The need is great. After COVID, I know churches, y'all went through a lot of things with COVID kind of thing. Uh, same way with our ministry there. We're way behind. We don't have, 
you know, warehouses full of Bibles looking for somebody to give them to. We ship them out even before we get the money to pay for them by faith because you, you support us so much. Uh, remember, God said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And that, the Gideon ministry fits that just about perfectly because not only around the world, uh, and we distribute, uh, let's see, we, in... Uh, Ninety-nine different languages, and I think it's 109 different countries around the world that we distributed God's Word with. So out there, but it's also here, the local Gideons, they, they go to the schools, uh, they go to the, the jails, the prisons, hospitals, uh, nursing homes. In other words, they distribute them here just as well as there. Um, so this morning, the need is great, all right? Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm going to ask without an apology this morning um, because, again, this is uh, an opportunity that we need your help with. Uh, but it's going to require sacrifice, all right? Uh, this doesn't replace your church giving. Uh, this is a second-mile ministry and, and go above and beyond your tithe. Uh, it's going to require some sacrifice, some harbor freight money, Bass Pro money, Academy money, have I hit your target yet? Uh, uh, hairstyling money, uh, new dress money, new shoes money. It requires a sacrifice this morning, and I'm going to ask you to make that. Uh, I'm not asking for myself. I'm not asking for men called Gideons, but I'm asking for men and women, boys and girls around the world that's dying this second and this second and this second and this second, and they've never had their own testament. They've never seen a Bible, and they've never heard about Jesus Christ. And I don't know what's fair about that, but that's, uh, that's not the question this morning. The question is, you know, how, much, how many people can, would you like to provide God's Word to this morning? $1.68 provides one copy. Probably about $60 provide enough for the average classroom. Uh, $168 provides a case of 100 uh, freight prepaid anywhere in the world. Uh, we cash your check. You can make the check out to the Gideons. It is tax deductible. Why? Why give? Well, because today, Sunday, February the 26th, is a day of good tidings. And uh, I think we have some men who will be at the, at the doors as you cleave. Anyone you give an offering there, it is tax deductible uh, with it. And um, uh, I want to also mention to you, uh, that uh, in the men that might be one part of this ministry, uh, you, please ask you to, you know, if you'd like to talk to me, I'll be here to, at the front after the service, and uh, I'd be glad to talk to you. Brother West, thank you for letting me come and have your time this morning. Thank you.